Welcome to the Infinity Bros Podcast, the only podcast that is perfectly balanced, as all things should be. My name is Isaac Hedlund. I am your host tonight, and I have with me one other Infinity Bro that uh, really has been very consistent, appearing on several episodes over the past couple weeks and months. Zane Ellis, how are you doing, Zane? I'm doing fantastic. Happy to be here. and Yeah, I, I feel like I've said this every single time we've started like we're talking star wars we're talking ahsoka so like of course i gotta be here it's just it's just natural yep that's zane's jam that's my jam we're super psyched about it and we've been texting about it and talking about it more than we like to (laughs) uh typically when we record episodes we kind of like try to almost be silent about it within ourselves and our group chat and stuff so we can get all our thoughts out on the podcast but Zane and I are like secretly texting each other behind everybody's backs, like, right? Oh, dude, this is so awesome! Oh, this is amazing! Like, I feel like I'm—I'm I'm pretty sure you can probably relate to this too. There's so many times that like I've just had thoughts or stuff that I'm like, oh my goodness, I got to talk about this with Isaac. I got yeah. and then I have yeah. to stop myself because I'm like, no, we need to save it for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, or, so many or else times. me and Isaac oh. would just have an hour long conversation through chat, through texting, and we're like, no. Yeah. Stop. We'll get it out on the okay, podcast. Okay, okay, we gotta stop now. We gotta right. stop. Exactly. Yeah. So Zane and I get really excited about this stuff. But uh, for those of you guys who are new, who haven't listened to the Infinity Bros before, we're a cast of six that rotate for different topics. Uh, talk about pop culture, Marvel, Star Wars, DC, whatever is on TV that we're watching, um, and we try to get some reviews going and, and chat about it, get some conversation going. So welcome. We are very excited to have you with us today, and we are going to be talking Star Wars, specifically Ahsoka episodes five and six today for exclusive little peek at a few things that we already chatted about and for a little look at a few Nick Cage movies that I've been watching. Stay tuned for our TikTok. We're going to be having a Nicolas Cage uh, review playlist uh, from all of the Nicolas Cage movies that I've been watching this year. I told Zane on the Patreon episode, I'm at 19, I believe, Nicolas Cage movies. So it's been quite the journey, a lot of good and a lot of bad on that journey. <laughs> so <laughs> in, in all in a good way, though, all in a good way. So and fun. All in fun. Really enjoying myself through that. But yeah, you can you can check out our TikTok for Nicolas Cage reviews coming up soon. But the main focus of today is going to be Ahsoka episodes five and six. For those of you guys who have not listened to the Infinity Rose podcast before, we have a special rating system that we'll explain a little bit right here. Here on the Infinity Bros podcast, everything is ranked from a zero to six point scale. Zero meaning horrible and six meaning absolutely excellent. If all of the Infinity Bros rank something a six, it gets an Infinity Snap. And for those of you who have been following along, uh, we're going to be reviewing episodes five and six of Ahsoka. So if you have not watched those, this is your official spoiler warning. This is... Prepare yourself. An Infinity Bros. Prepare yourself. Spoiler. Warning. We're also going to be spoiling the rest of the series as well. So if you haven't watched any of it, probably should uh, pause this episode. Go watch it all right now uh, because it's episodes one through six streaming on Disney Plus at this moment. Two more episodes to go, Zane. How how are you feeling about this series so far? I'm just like, I don't want it to end. Like, as I keep watching, I just have it in the back of your head that or back of your mind. that There's two episodes left and I'm just like, 
I just I just wish there was more. Like, like I'm happy it's already eight because most Disney stuff that was coming out was six episodes. So I'm glad we're getting eight. But I'm just like yeah. it the way this has been and it's just been getting like better and so much more fun to watch. And like you got two more episodes to kind of establish everything else that's going on. You're just like I I, I want more. But now yeah. it's gonna be interesting to see like well, how is this, is this going to segue into movies? Is this going to come more into like a season two of Ahsoka? Are they going to start combining kind of all this now? Right. Like it's going to be really interesting to see what these last two episodes give us. Yeah, I'm totally with you there. And this feels better than the Marvel series. And even honestly, even Obi-Wan a little bit, because those series, six episodes and just... I don't know, man. I feel like you you got to episode five and you were like, how are they going to wrap this all up? Like, I don't really understand how this can satisfactorily be wrapped up in one more episode because everything just seemed like it got crammed into there and they ended up for the Marvel series specifically. They ended up like rushing a lot of those finales and really just kind of left them with a bad taste in their mouth, especially with some of those who you knew were going to be like one-offs and weren't going to get season twos. You got to end those in a really satisfying way for them to be considered a good show. Right. But I feel like I have not gotten that feeling with Ahsoka at all. I'm along for the ride. And although I'm not sure how they're going to wrap up these last two episodes, I'm not worried at all. Because the ride has been very enjoyable and I feel like pacing wise has been pretty spot on um, in four or eight episodes um, as far as we know up to episode six. So um, I'm yeah, I'm excited for the last part of this series. And honestly, I feel like this is a series, too, where they could end it and they don't have to connect all the dots or tie all the you know threads and everything together because they have future projects not even necessarily like even if ahsoka doesn't get a second season they've got future projects that they can continue these stories in right so i don't feel quite as you know tense about how they're going to wrap up this this series so far and we got a couple of banger episodes in five and six so (laughs) let's dive into those now episode five so we talked about if you can go back to episode 178 of the infinity rose podcast we reviewed episodes three and four of ahsoka and four leaves us with a giant cliffhanger of ahsoka getting dropped into the world between worlds we are in episode five Ahsoka is in the world between worlds and she basically has this showdown with Anakin where he takes her through, you know, some memories of the Clone Wars, even some memories that he's not a part of, which that was really interesting of the Siege of Mandalore. And then we come back to kind of that spot where they met, where they where she fell and they have like a showdown. This was just I don't have a whole lot of words to describe this because it was overwhelming when all of this was going on. I was like, I had to go rewatch this again, like later that day. Cause I was like, so much going on in my head during that scene. What were your initial thoughts when you were watching all this scene? I think it was 
kind of just like a lot of the same of like you were kind of going through too because you're just like we didn't know what we were gonna get like we've mentioned that before like we didn't know if you know the world between worlds was gonna show up and and it does but then it wasn't just like hey we're gonna give you the world between worlds but we're also we're gonna bring Hank Christensen back we're gonna get Clone Wars Anakin and not only are we gonna get Clone Wars Anakin but then we're gonna take you on this journey that everything you watch from the Clone Wars animated show, but like we're gonna give you snippets of it, but in live action. It was just so cool to see because you're like, I was not expecting that, and it was such a treat. And it was, I think that's what makes it so much more satisfying and fulfilling because I had no idea it was gonna happen, but it was done so well and it was so fun to see. Even if it wasn't, you know, memories Anakin's were in, but like the whole point of it is walking through all that. And then just the ultimate lesson that it comes back to, I thought that was such a good job of explaining everything to, you know, set up, hey, we're going to kind of show more of this meeting, I guess, and figure out of, all right, where's Ahsoka going? Because like yeah. we've kind of gotten that with like Vader. And I mean, we had that in Rebels too, kind of in the the Twilight of the Apprentice episodes. I, I feel like that was more of a showing Vader's side of things, whereas I think this kind of gave a little more of a look inside of Ahsoka, yeah. if you will. Mm-hmm. And it it was just very fun to watch. And it was also it, another thing that stuck out to me was like when you're watching the Clone Wars and it's animated, like. I guess there's just a disconnect a a bit on like the age, uh, like how old Ahsoka was. Yeah. Right. And then you watch these, these live shots of these memories and that the, the young actress that was playing the young Ahsoka, fantastic job. But when you look at it, you're like, Oh, they're young. She is a child. She she is a literal child and she's a (laughs) general leading in in fighting. Like, Mm -hmm. Oh my, like that really was a, eye-opening perspective because you're just like you know yeah it's oh it's just an animated show it's whatever but then you see it in live action and you're like "Uh oh Mm. that really hits closer to home yeah and ariana greenblatt is the actress that plays uh young ahsoka who by the way plays young gamora in infinity war so and she's been she's been in a ton of stuff for being so young it's oh yeah pretty she's making a name for herself but she plays young Ahsoka. She did a phenomenal job as young Ahsoka. Like chemistry with Hayden Christensen was <laughs> great. You got vibes of Clone Wars where if you go from watching Attack of the Clones to Clone Wars, it's a little bit jarring to see Anakin in Clone Wars because he's like so much more whimsical and like witty and he's a little bit like that you know in the prequels but they play it up like big time in clone wars and hayden christensen did a phenomenal job of kind of like emulating that clone wars anakin and they even gave him like the clone wars like armor and everything (laughs) like oh it was it was so great and so we mentioned in in the Patreon, which you'll have to go back to the Patreon and, and listen to this. Uh, uh, make sure you subscribe $2 a month. You can get exclusive content that you won't hear on the main episodes. Hayden Christensen. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, there's a lot of love for him out of the internet. He's not a good actor. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't think that's a hot take. He's not really that good of an actor. I will say though, he nails Anakin Skywalker as a kid. 
watching the prequels, like the prequels were like prime time, like preteen Isaac and Zane. Like we were going to the theaters. I think Revenge of the Sith came out when we were like in middle school, right? It was like 2005. Yes, that sounds about right. Like almost in high school, almost like ninth grade, somewhere in there. So this is like prime, like Isaac and Zane geeks you know acting on our faces and we're like going to the theater oh my gosh that was the best (laughs) thing ever i then did not like hayden christensen but it was more because the character of anakin skywalker was so arrogant and like confident in himself even when he was doing dumb things during those prequels <laughs> he plays that part perfectly okay yeah. like that like Tate christian did a phenomenal job of doing what george lucas wanted him to do which is why he picked him for that part right but watch any other hayden christensen movie <laughs> there's probably movies out there that could prove me wrong i'm sure but i've seen him in two other movies and both movies were just awful. And he is I'm not good. I'm trying to think enough. of what else I've even seen him in. He was in a couple TV episodes, too, that I feel like I've seen. Like, not much, though. He hasn't been doing a ton of acting. I was going to say, he really doesn't have much. I think, too, that's partially from the terrible negative feedback that he got from the prequels. He got a lot of hate from the prequels. And now yeah. it is really cool to see how much the love that he's getting from and you know, being able right. to come back and play this role again. And actually I watched, um, there's a, a few small things on Disney plus. They came out with a master and apprentice. Like it was like a really short episode, just like on kind of the making pre making of Ahsoka and stuff like that. And they, he talks a little bit about coming back to play Anakin Skywalker and, Oh, it's so cool. And for Obi-Wan too, like the, there's a, and think like an hour documentary on Obi-Wan and like the making of Obi-Wan and him talking about coming back to play this role. So happy for him that he's finally getting like positive reception to right. being in this role. The Star Wars fandom has finally embraced him. Cause I feel like as a, basically a child actor, I think he was like in his teens when he started yeah. Anakin Skywalker, man, people did not like him. Yeah, <laughs> back in the day. So I'm glad he's getting this coming of age as an actor type comeback. It's pretty cool to see. But he did phenomenal. And I, the thing I love about episode five, especially this flashback part, is that he gets to play every iteration of Anakin. He plays Clone Wars Anakin. He plays Revenge of the Sith Anakin, then Revenge of the Sith Darth Vader. And then you see also flashes of actual Darth Vader in the suit as well it's like such a cool shot that was they had some really cool shots of him walking away during the first battle where it flashes to him being darth vader and then back to anakin again and then again in the final showdown that one was my favorite oh when he's coming at ahsoka rosario dawson and it like flickers and Mm -hmm. it's darth vader flickering but Still, you know, when it goes back to him, he's still got the red saber. He's got the Sith eyes. This is like right. this is like Darth Vader pre-suit Darth Vader that it's flickering to. Like, oh, man, it was so cool. So cool to see. Yep. <laughs> OK, so we talked about Ariana Greenblatt. Phenomenal. I mean, everybody's been talking about Clone Wars live live action show or movie or something like that. 
absolutely would love it. Don't need it because we already had Clone Wars and it's a phenomenal show. So if you haven't watched it, go watch that. Not needed, but I would absolutely love it and watch it if we got it. So, you know, <laughs> right. right. So I'll take it. But <laughs> but I, that's not like high on my priority list of things. Oh, that for sure. But like <laughs> just getting that taste of it in live action, you're just like, yeah, oh, oh, this is so this good. Is cool. and, oh, I loved seeing him in that Clone Wars armor. Like, it's so janky. Like, he's got, like, this, like, little armor piece around his head. And the rest of him's, like, basically a jack robe. It's like, what the heck are you wearing, Anakin? But they kept him in that. And it was great. Oh, man. Now, all I need is a live-action shot of Ewan McGregor in his Clone Wars armor with, like, the clone pieces and stuff. Oh, my goodness. Say less. (laughs) <laughs> just nerding out over here over, <laughs> over Clone Wars. Over, over like, armor. <laughs> over armor. Oh, and we get a shot of Captain Rex in, in, in both live iter- In both iterations of his armor. Yeah, yeah, that was... Oh, that was that sweet. Was so cool. And again, like, that was more of that felony touch that's just like, hey, we're gonna make sure it's accurate of just, like, that, that the first bit and then the Siege of Man, like, you had both variations of that armor. And mm-hmm. as you put it, it was just like, so cool so much fun to watch yeah now if we get a live action clones series about something and captain rex is in there i'm down for that i would want that more than a clone wars um series honestly because like i'm watching going back and watching clone wars and there's a few episodes where captain rex and captain cody or commander cody are like together and like teaming up to like you know take down bad clones and i was just like eject this stuff into my veins man (laughs) this is (laughs) this is so cool i love those episodes oh so good but anyways yeah that was phenomenal to see him in live action thank you dave filoni man if anybody had any doubts about filoni before this show they should just be washed away after watching all of this, this is top tier Star Wars right here. I mean, we've been talking about it on previous episodes too. This is Star Wars. Like, yeah. when, the, when little Annie makes the, this is pod racing. This, this is, pod is Star this Wars. Is Star Wars right here. Oh my gosh, it's it's just so great. Got that whole flashback, phenomenal. At the end, we get a shot of Ahsoka throughout all of this. But the first time watching, I was like, what? What is Anakin trying to teach Ahsoka? Because he doesn't really say a whole lot. He's not like giving her words of wisdom or whatever. And then when she questions him, he's like, ah, just kind of shrugs it off and then just moves on. And you're like, what? Like, what is he trying to teach her? At the end, it kind of comes to a head and he's like, live or die, basically, is what he says. And Ahsoka is like, she chooses to live and let go of kind of all the regret, the grief and everything walking away from the order, the regret of feeling like she failed Anakin as a Padawan by leaving him, all of that stuff. She's like, I'm going to let all this go. And I choose to live. And she lets him live at the end of that. And then in that moment, we get a shot of Ahsoka with the Sith eyes. And that was like, okay. We're getting real serious now. We get Ahsoka with the Sith eyes. And for a moment, I was like, is she going to take him down? Is she going to do it? 
right? She doesn't. She spares him. She beats him, has him, you know, saber to his neck, and then she lets him go. And he's like, there might be some hope for you yet. And then heads off. Wow. What a phenomenal piece. And I feel like we could spend all of our time just talking about that segment itself because there's so much in there to talk about. Yeah, that that was a great showdown. Really cool to see Ahsoka kind of coming to terms with her past and moving forward. And Filoni even references imagery to Gandalf and his ascent to Gandalf the White. Basically, this is like Ahsoka the White. Ahsoka comes, the White. Yeah. She comes out of the water and she, they like all the imagery they do is just so great. They like, even literally give her a white robe. She's like, like got the white robe. And like, we kind of see a shot of that at the end of Rebels, you know, with her in the white right. and the staff and stuff. Yeah. They kind of, they, they kind of retcon that a little bit. Like we have the same shot earlier this season, but she's in just her normal garb. And now she legit becomes Ahsoka the White. And she's like, got this whole new outlook on life. And she's like, yeah. Let's go get Ezra. So cool to see. So even before that, rewind to before the World Between Worlds in episode five, Jason Sindola plays a little part in this series, which was very interesting. I thought he was more of just like a cameo of like, hey, guys, hey, rebel right. guys, here you go. Here's a right. little bone, you a know, little treat, right. a little treat for you. Here you go. But he actually plays a pretty important role in this episode. He's sitting by the water while Hera is, you know, looking for Ahsoka and Sabine, and he hears something. There's probably some canon material out there that say that Jason, you know, becomes a Jedi, blah, 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 all that. I, th- I think, like, generally, that's probably assumed that Jason is Force-sensitive before this. But this episode, like, confirmed it for real for everybody. Like, Jason hears the lightsabers going on in the Worlds Between Worlds, And really interesting that he points it out to Hera. And I don't know. It's not clear if she hears the lightsabers or if she just in that moment is like, I fully trust Jason. I know that he is right. But if she actually does hear the lightsaber thing, it makes a really interesting point in the Star Wars universe of like anybody can be a Jedi. I'm putting this in quotations because there would be a lot, a lot, a lot of work for somebody like Hera or even Sabine at this point to become force sensitive if it's not really natural to them. So really interesting, though, that it almost makes that Spider-Man point of like, you know, anyone can wear the mask. Right. Can anyone be a Jedi if they just work really, really hard at it? Well, again, maybe this is jumping forward a bit too much, but then that's what ties in then the whole reference from episode six when Balin Skull's having that conversation with uh, Chin Hadi. And well, now we have that term of Boken Jedi. And like, mm. that's kind of what that whole idea yeah. is. You have all right. these people who they aren't classically being trained as Jedi. They aren't at the temple. They aren't right. actually being trained as Jedi but you're being trained by Jedi, but it's not necessarily, it's almost more like you're being trained with the light side of the force, Mm -hmm. less of Jedi. Yeah. Cause, cause Jedi is like an order and a set of rules and an organization. 
Right. And that organization is gone. Right. It no longer point. exists. Like, they, there are Jedi still in the universe that have been trained that way, like Balin Skull and mm-hmm. Ahsoka. I mean, she probably doesn't consider herself a Jedi, but she, she was trained, was trained as a right. Jedi. Yeah. Then you get guys like Ezra, who Kanan did a lot of the work in teaching him how the Force works and stuff like that. But you almost get the sense through Rebels that Ezra would have figured it out by himself. Right. Because he becomes that like in tune with the force that he could almost teach himself to use that. And Kanan obviously passes away in rebels. Doesn't really get a chance to see what Ezra becomes, but he sets him on that path of being like, he said, a, a Bakken, Boken Jedi, Boken Jedi, Boken Jedi, Boken, whatever he says. Yeah. 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 Basically just a shoddy, like makeshift Jedi's what I think that term means, but just, (laughs) it's just so funny that, my favorite thing I saw online that someone was trying to explain it was basically just the, a simplified version of saying they're homeschooled Jedi. <laughs> so they didn't go to that. they didn't go to actual Jedi school, but they were taught by Jedi. So taught by Jedi, they're, yeah, they're homeschooled oh, Jedi. Homeschooled like, Jedi. <laughs> Zine's got somebody in the Star Wars universe to look up to. Oh, yep, that's exactly. Cool. I love that. <laughs> that's what makes it so fascinating because, like, all of our main heroes that have been that way have been that. Luke yeah, Skywalker trained. Exactly. Luke Skywalker, not classically trained. Ray, not classically True. trained. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like we have a lot of that example of not being classically trained. Right. And I think that's, yeah, that's what we're moving into. And even from what Balin Skull was saying, like, I think that's more of the direction we're moving from now. And that's the direction Star Wars can take. Like you're getting rid of or moving from this whole Jedi order. And obviously, you know, the whole thing got destroyed we're kind of moving in past Jedi and Sith. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like bring in this new. And like, I think that's where the future of star Wars is kind of going now. Yeah. Right. And, you know, we've been talking a lot of this series about how Balin and Shin, they're not Sith. A lot of people, even within star Wars too, get this confused of like Jedi and Sith. It's not light side and dark side. They're two organizations the Jedi basically are within the light side. The Sith are obviously within the dark side. They're like two small parts of the light side and the dark side. It's not, you know, everything on the light side is not Jedi and everything on the dark side is not Sith. And I love that we're getting a piece of the dark side that is not Sith in Balin Skull. Like he obviously has been delving into the dark side since his departure from the Jedi order or, or the destruction of the Jedi order but he has obviously not let it consume him like so many of the Sith that we see in all of the Star Wars content right. that we have. So very interesting. And he's training up Shin in his likeness, I guess, kind of. And and honestly, like when you go back to Clone Wars and you see this with Darth Maul and Ahsoka mm-hmm. in, in their kind of final showdown, it's like, it's not about the Jedi. It's not about the Sith. It's about the force and like, Hey, using the force for these different things. And, you know, like the dark side things within that, the light side things within that. It's like one big thing. You got to look at the big picture and not just at the Jedi and the Sith. So Balin Skull is be quickly becoming one of my favorite characters in star Wars. Honestly, I, I love this guy. I'm really excited to see how his story pans out in the next couple episodes right and yeah it's just the kind of you're getting it more fleshed out 
because I even remember watching it when you're watching Clone Wars and it felt like it was such a loop to be thrown for when you got to those episodes where they kind of go into that light and dark side of the force. Like they go to that planet and you had the physical embodiments of like, that was such a weird arc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super weird. But once as you, you kind of figure out what everything was saying and kind of what that meant, mm-hmm. like, I feel like it, it's become more applicable now as you're seeing that you're like, yeah, it's beyond just Jedi and Sith. Right. And like that became that short sighted. And like, as we all know, like that was the downfall of the Jedi because it wasn't about they became too complacent in their ways. They're okay. Right. They these are our an own organization, rules. and they were playing politics. Basically, is what right. it came down to. And but it's also in essence kind of that flip side with the Sith too, of they're their own right. organization. And yeah, like you mentioned, Ahsoka and Maul are kind of those the counterparts of those characters. They got burned by their respective sides. Mm-hmm. And then now their vision was like, we can go beyond this. Yeah. Like there's more to being a Jedi or to being a Sith. And like, that's what we should look at. That's what we should embrace. And that's why it, it's exciting to see that we're getting this in live action. And like, it seems like that's the idea that this is pushing towards now. Cause like, yeah. we don't have the Jedi. We can move past the Sith, which it should be like, that should be the next stage right. of stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's hard to, especially when we get into episode six and we finally get Thrawn, which we're going to talk about a lot. The empire is hard to disassociate from the Sith because obviously Emperor Palpatine is the empire. So like they kind of go hand in hand, like the empire and the Sith, we get to an interesting part of the empire in Thrawn in episode six. So to be continued, I do want to touch on a few more <laughs> things in episode five here. Thrawn's going to be a huge chunk oh, yeah. of this episode. Don't worry, guys. We're big <laughs> Thrawn fans. <laughs> okay, so back to Jason Sindola. He hears it. They wrap up. They, you know, find that, hey, they're over there somewhere, like over the water. Something's going on over there. We get a little interaction between Huyang and Carson T- Teva of they're kind of like talking about like the plan. He's like a rebel um, alliance organization guy to a T. He's like, sure, like he's going to go with Hera and do the things that Hera wants to do. But he's also like, yeah, we kind of got to report back to these guys. Like something's going to happen soon if we don't do that. So he's (laughs) like trying to poke Hera to like get moving. And finally, they basically say, hey, there's something going on out there. Tava doesn't understand it at all. Hu Yang also is also becoming one of my favorite droids. He's great. Like he, he's great <laughs> in all the animated iterations as well. He's so perfect in live action. It's just phenomenal. He's not afraid to just say whatever he's thinking. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Like you get that with R2D2, but we don't know what R2D2 right. says. So <laughs> like you right. have to have C3PO translate all the snarky comments that, that R2 makes. But we get to hear them from Hu Yang. So he actually goes up to Teva and he's like, yeah, Jason's force jet sensitive. Like he's a Jedi, basically. And Carson Teva's like, oh, OK. And then he just like right. goes and <laughs> does it immediately, doesn't right. question it at all. <laughs> I love that. That was great. I love the bit. Like I, I saw this online that like Carson Teva is to Star Wars what Wong is to the MCU. Like he's just totally. in everything. Just and there. you're just like. Yeah. 
He's just that loved guy. Like, hey, yeah, yeah it's Carson Tame. Like, yeah. he's just become that character. He's great. He's just like this great, like lovable, like just funny, almost like a dad figure. Yeah. I feel like he's kind of like watching over everybody, trying to make sure everybody's doing the right thing. But also he's like a loving dude who understands that they need to do what they need to do. Right. Type of thing. Paul Sun Hyung Lee, who plays Carson Teva, is He's great. He's phenomenal. Such a great addition to the Star Wars universe. Yeah, we get confirmation. Jason is force sensitive. There's a little chatter on the internet about how, I mean, we're getting Ezra back. Maybe Ezra could be the one to eventually train Jason as a Jedi or, you know, light side force user. What are we calling the Bakken Jedi? Is that what we're going to call him now? Uh, I feel like yeah, like I, I feel like Ezra it, wouldn't refer to himself as that though. He probably still refers to himself as a Jedi, but because right. there is no order, they can kind of do what they want, I right? Guess. But I feel like at the same time, that the term Jedi has kind of just become right. It, it's not not entirely synonymous with the order, like exactly, yeah, it, yeah, and, and because I mean, you know, even in the original trilogy, there's still like myths floating around about the Jedi, even though it's been what, like, I don't know, 20, 30 years or something. Nobody's right. seen Jedi for decades, but there's still stories about them out there. And the stories are generally about the, the force abilities of Jedi. So like, yeah, you have the force abilities, you fight with a lightsaber, basically can consider yourself a Jedi. Right. So unless you don't want to like, uh, like Balin school. Right. I guess. Exactly. <laughs> like, it's just like, yeah, you can, just be your own thing if you want. Yeah. So then they end up, you know, finding Ahsoka, discovering her, comes back as Ahsoka the White. One really strange thing we finally see, and I've always wondered this in my head, never wondered it out loud. She always has those like kind of headdresses things. And I'm always like, is that like part of her? And obviously she like changes <laughs> it through the like series and stuff like that. But like you never see her without one. So I'm always yeah. like, is that like attached to her like does that move <laughs> like i don't know but we see bald ahsoka, yeah, bald ahsoka <laughs> and it's like whoa and you're like yeah no put it back on put, put it, it back cover it up <laughs> that was strange it, like yeah. totally makes sense but i'm oh, like yeah. after seeing it i was just like whoa okay that was yeah. weird put i don't know how back. i feel about that <laughs> put that back but, quick put a headdress on <laughs> yeah just an odd little moment there but yeah gets basically Dressed up in her white guard. Good thing she had some white stuff to, you know, show the transformation in her life. Uh, comes back as Ahsoka the White. And she gets this crazy idea that there's no other way to get there but ride the Purgle. Couple minor things. I mean, they just happen to be in a, like, a pod of Purgle. Which, by the way, was confirmed, I think, in episode 5, that... A group of Purgle is a pod. Yep. Hera yeah. called him a pod. A pod we yeah. talked about that on episode yep. 178 of the podcast. Yep. We're like, what do we call them? Like, pod, whales are a pod. So I guess it, it is a pod. Yeah, a, pod. A, pod <laughs> a pod of Purgle. So there happens to be a pod of Purgle right there. Very convenient. Very nice. They go up there. Ahsoka, and I'm not complaining about this, by the way. There has been people on the internet that have complained about it. But she is an amalgamation of a lot of Jedi. She's got a lot of force abilities because we see earlier in the season, she's got like the echo force echo, um, you know, sensory abilities, which we see in 
Fallen Order Jedi Survivor with Cal Kestis. Now she seems to have this like connection with beasts, the same as Ezra does in Rebels. And it's like, oh, man, Ahsoka's just got it all. She's like just super powerful, force sensitive Jedi. That's pretty awesome. But she basically like kind of connects with this Purgle and is the idea is like, all right, well, the only way to get there is to Jonah and the whale, this Purgle and (laughs) (laughs) jump to hyperspace to this next galaxy. So that's what we're doing. I love how Hera is like getting she's like just trying to buy time basically. And then finally Carson Tava is like, all right, I'm going to tell you the story. Right. <laughs> you're not, not going to believe you're it. You're not going to believe but... it. Like, yeah. <laughs> just his expression. Doesn't even go into it. Yeah. It cuts out. And then Hera's like, commander, you might want to move. Yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden the purgles just come out of the atmosphere and they're yeah. like heading right for them. Oh, so great. Like again, like this is just, Filoni is just killing this series, man. Like writing wise, phenomenal action wise vfx everything in the show has been top-notch star wars i would not be shocked by the end of this if this is like pushing top five star wars projects for me like i I think this is amazing they finally get there they get inside the purgle ship off i love that ahsoka finally has this like sense of calm sense of relief this whole series you kind of sense that she's like stressed about stuff she's not trusting people especially sabine she is like super hard on sabine which granted to be fair sabine did do some dumb stuff she literally (laughs) gave them the star map so there are some reasons to not trust her but now we get this new ahsoka the white who has a purpose She is content with her past now. She's put that stuff behind her and she's ready to basically move on with her life. All this time, it's been like Thrawn, 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 Thrawn. Got to prevent Thrawn. Finally, at the end of this, I love how they show that turn and they're like, let's go get Ezra. Like she turns and she's like, you know what? It's more important to get Ezra to get this friend. Also Sabine, since, you know, she's already over there. But she realizes like, hey, I'm choosing life. I'm choosing to be a Jedi and not necessarily take sides to choose life over, you know, the legacy of death and destruction that that she thinks she's had up to this point. Just really cool imagery set us up for a great episode six. But I don't think there's any question Zane from you, but I'm I'm assuming there's this episode is a six out of six because oh, that's easy. what it was for me. Oh yeah, easy, easy six out of six for sure. Some people were saying, are saying, continue to say, I believe it's a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. If I'm not mistaken, it was at one point, and it's the highest rated on IMDb episode of Star Wars TV ever. At Dang. a let me see, at a nine point three. Out of 10. That's gone up from the last time I checked. It was a 9.0 last time I checked. 9.3 out of 10. That's phenomenal. That's very good. For IMDb. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people are saying this is the best live action episode of Star Wars TV ever. Just cut out live action. Is this the best episode of Star Wars TV ever to you, Zane? I mean, what else can you really put over it? if you're looking at individual episodes, like I just, I don't think there's anything, I mean, 
there's stuff you'd put near it, but I'm just like, I just don't think as an individual specific episode that I could put anything really over it. The Obi-Wan Darth Vader fight is up there. That was very yeah. cool. Um, like there are some that you're like that stand out, but like the impact in moments specifically, like in, there's in, definitely right, some spe- moments and episodes some that are like moments, but mm-hmm. like an episode that has the weight that that episode had the way it dealt and portrayed everything. Like, yeah, you, some episode, yeah, the cool epic moments, but like this yeah. episode didn't just base on an epic moment. The whole mm-hmm. thing, it brought it all together. And the whole thing was kind of just one epic moment after another. Yeah. It's just yeah. like it outclassed kind of everything. Like it's just, this is as far as TV episodes go, I, I just, I don't think you can top this. It's cream of the crop, man. It's yeah. There's probably a top tier of elite star Wars TV episodes that I would put up there with it of maybe like three, four episodes, like not, right. not a lot. And the ones specifically that I thought of was, I believe it's episode 10 of Andor when Andy Serkis character makes that monologue. The monologue. And then, and then like five minutes later, Bill Skarsgård, or not Bill, uh, Luke, what's his name? Skarsgård. Alexander. His name. Is it Wait. Alex, the old guy? I forget no. his name. It's not Alex. He's one of the brothers. Alex and Bill are both. Oh, wait. Yeah, no, it's. Uh... Oh, yeah. Why Why am I blanking on his name, yeah, too? Right. I know who you're talking Anyways, about. Skarsgård makes his monologue like five minutes after that. Oh, that one's up there for me. I. Yep. Like, that one's tough to beat. That's elite. Luke showing up at the end of Mandalorian. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Is that episode that, or season one? Season one finale. finale season one. Yeah. yeah, that's up there. Uh, yeah. And I would even so rewatching some Clone Wars episodes. That season seven of Clone Wars is top tier Star Wars, especially those last like four episodes. Oh the yeah, Siege of Mandalore episode where Ahsoka and Maul have that showdown. Ooh. that's oh. so good dude it's so stinking yep. good i would put that up there too for sure honestly the la- the finale of rebels too is probably see i for rebels too like i would put that grant it's not one episode but that like two that episode arc, arc that twilight yeah. of the apprentice arc that that that's, ah- that's ah- such a good arc that ahsoka dude. vader showdown in that yeah. sith temple yeah right like hi like I will go back for Rebels and just watch those two episodes. It's just yeah, like for real. so good. But so many of those episodes are so good because of specific moments in those episodes. Right. Like you said, this episode has all of it. It is like one it, giant moment that is just phenomenal. So right. it is hard to argue that there's a better episode of Star Wars TV, I think. It definitely sits in the top tier. So Six out of six from both of us. Zane, we might be the only Infinity Bros currently watching this show. Because I've multiple yeah. times put in our Infinity Bros chat, like, hey, what do you guys rate this episode so I can make like media and stuff? And nobody answers me. So I'm like, oh, okay. It's, it's shocking. <laughs> I know Mark is watching it because he has talked to me about it. I don't know where he's at, though. I don't think he's like caught up. Jarrett, no clue. I'm like pretty sure Max and Robbie aren't watching. Yeah, it. I don't. Yeah, last time Jarrett said something. Yeah, he wasn't watching it. Max hasn't been watching it because, like, we were talking to him when we went up to watch 
Robbie's football game last weekend and we went up there and he was just like, you know, if it, everything I'm hearing about Ahsoka, like if it, you know, kind of rebrands or like, this is the direction they're moving forward. I, I might actually have to go back and watch Clone Wars and Rebels. And I was just <laughs> I like be impressed if Max right. went back and watched all that. But stuff. I'm just like, well, you should watch it anyways. Yeah. Right. Because it's fantastic. He's like, well, I'm just not really a Star Wars guy. It's like, I get it. But at the same time, like, mm-hmm. it's just great storytelling. I, I am but... really interested because, like, obviously, as giant Star Wars nerds, this show is phenomenal to us because Filoni has carefully curated this show in the Star Wars universe. Right. Like he is he is a master storyteller within the Star Wars universe. And he has just perfectly put all of this together with all of the things that he worked on in Clone Wars and Rebels and some of the live action stuff, you know, with Mandalorian and and all that stuff. Like he has done a phenomenal job with this series. And I think that does have more weight on us that are big Star Wars fans. So I would be really interested to to hear. I think from everything I've been hearing online, people that have not watched either of those shows are still enjoying this show quite a bit. It's still a good show. It's not like, like we mentioned before, it's not like this kind of rushed, crammed all this action into six episodes type of show. I think by the end of it, it will be a complete story arc, um, even if it leaves on a cliffhanger to lead into, you know, some other project. The story of Ahsoka season one will be told by the end of it. Man, I am really interested to see when those guys finally get around to it, what they think of it, though, because the amount of Easter eggs that he's able to put in these shows is just so phenomenal. Oh, it's so good. Well, I think it part of it, too, it's not only that he's putting a ton of these Easter eggs, so it's like for the diehards, the people that have watched Clone Wars, people that have watched Rebel, like, you're getting that for the diehards, but I feel like he's also doing a good job. Now, totally speaking from bias on this, but I feel like he's doing a good enough job of just like, hey, if you've only seen the Star Wars movies, like, this is also going to resonate with you. Right. Like, he's doing enough that I think that in general, like, this isn't just, oh, you're going to love this show because it's Star Wars. Like, I think Ahsoka is just good enough and it's doing well enough that, like, even if you're not huge on Star Wars, this is an enjoyable show. Like, right. there is still something you can get out of watching this show. Yeah, and I think he's given us enough information about the characters without giving us too much exposition, explaining where everybody's at exactly and who everybody is exactly. Like, he kind of just hit the ground running mm. episode one and just went from there. And we're learning, you know, obviously about those characters as we go. So I think he's given us just enough and he's given those people who have not watched those shows just enough to understand that this is like still a good story, still a good series, even if you haven't seen that like material. I think Filoni's doing a phenomenal job and it continues in episode six, which we have to move on to because we only have 56 more minutes on this recording. We got to talk about six too. <laughs> oh man. It's so good. Okay. So six out of six for episode five. Let us know what you thought of episode five. Is it the best episode of star Wars TV ever? Let us know on socials or hit us up at infinity podcast at gmail.com episode six of Ahsoka titled aptly far, far away. 
we finally get uh, Ahsoka, and honestly, we only get a very the snippet of Ahsoka and Hu Yang, um, you know, in the uh, hyperspace whale um, on their way to this planet, and it was just like another reason why I'm loving Hu Yang. Like, he, so he is this. For those of you guys who are not in super into the Star Wars lore, he is a basically a professor like in other media they refer to him as professor hu yang he taught at the jedi temple um he constructed lightsabers for people he's like a master in light lightsaber construction which i think in some of the shots and earlier in the season you see like a little workshop on ahsoka's ship and it, there's like just a ton of lightsabers there because hu yang's just like probably messing around <laughs> like just <Right. laughs> making lightsabers in his spare time but this dude is like thousands of years old Grievous would have loved to meet him. <laughs> That's like, right. Those two would have been buddies. <laughs> Grievous would have stole him to be his like personal assistant or something like that. Oh man, he he's seen so much and we see earlier in this season too. He again, he's just truthful to a fault. Tells Sabine that she's a terrible choice to be a Jedi. <laughs> you know, and like Yoda goes on this big rant in the original trilogy about how Luke is too old. Like, right. They like to start their training real young. Sabine is probably about the same age. No, she's probably a little older than Luke when Ahsoka kind of starts training her and, you know, being her apprentice or, or probably close, probably around the same. I I feel like she might be a a couple years older because Luke's got to be, Luke's only like 18 or 19, I think, when he yeah. starts that journey. And Sabine's, she's still really young, but I think she's maybe in her 20s. I don't know. I would have to look into the actual lore on that. But I think it just feels different because like of everything that happened in Rebels, like we've seen Sabine, like she's a warrior. She's a Mandalorian. Right. Like, yeah, like she, Luke was on a people. moisture farm. Like he was just a nobody. <laughs> yeah. Like uh-huh. Super side note here. I watched A New Hope not too long ago oh man it's so fun to go back to the old classic star wars films and mark hamill as young luke skywalker just gets me every time like when (laughs) when they're like purchasing c-3po and r2d2 from the jawas and he's just complaining the whole time he's like i wanted to go to tashi station to pick up some power Power converters (laughs) it's just like oh my gosh this is is so good that is a perfect example of like him just being super young and immature and you know as far as the original trilogy goes like he's pretty capable as a pretty young guy like later in that movie he literally destroys the death star (laughs) after you know only days of learning how to fly in open space (laughs) just like all right it's very he learns really quickly so but you know sabine is already very capable as a mandalorian warrior so that that's what makes you think she's a little bit older but Maybe she's not. Maybe she just grew up in the Mandalorian culture and is, you know, just very capable of herself because of that. So I was talking about Hu Yang. So he basically is um, telling Ahsoka, like, history of the Jedi, blah, blah, blah. Would you like me to tell you a story? Because they're sitting here for who knows how long. Hours, probably. They're going to a different galaxy. It's probably a long, far, you know, long ways away. So he starts off his story with Once Upon a Time in a Galaxy Far, Far Away. And it was just like, Oh man, 
Like that's such a great callback to just Star Wars. Oh, yep. great reference, Dave Filoni, you slay me. Just so great. I I love that. And just to think that Hu Yang could be the origin of this phrase that we've been using for Star Wars for since the you know 1977 right. Star Wars is just so cool to think because it's like it's it's the stories and like he's your storyteller so it just kind of comes full circle do you think boomers were really upset about that that like they're they're revising like history or something like that (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i feel like any new content they make they have to almost revise history in some way in the star wars universe it's not really revising history because it's just not history that's been told right well because even still like it's not even as much of a revision because like when we get the scrawl in before the movie like for us that's you know long time ago and again far far away like we're Mm -hmm. talking what we're currently watching but like when hu yang says that like that's basically talking about stuff of the high republic like i think that's the other part that's missed like the high republic jedi days like that's a thousand years before even what we're watching right so like that's ancient history to even what we're watching on the screen so it's still like an applicable thing to go back for you know him to be you know a long time ago in a galaxy far far away like yeah. They still have that. Like those stories are still mm-hmm. in existence in that universe for them as well. One interesting note about that segment was that Hu Yang mentions the history of the universe parts or was the history of the Jedi order or something like that. Uh, parts one, two and three. And Ahsoka says that like looks at Hu Yang and was like, yeah, part one's definitely the best. And some people <laughs> online were speculating that, that's like a kind of like a hidden reference to the the sequels or the, yeah. the trilogies, like yeah. the prequel, the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy. And I was like, uh, I mean, if so, like, that's kind of a cool little hidden reference or whatever. But like, I don't think Filoni yeah. would be like, right. oh, yeah, the prequels are the best <laughs> trilogy for sure. <laughs> I, you might be looking into that one a little too much. But, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a little bit. It's fun to speculate, but yeah. that might be looking into that a little yeah. too much. Yeah. If you're getting butthurt about that online, you might care about it a little too much. Like this is like <laughs> Mark and Max level uh, WandaVision speculation that they're going to be upset yeah. about later. <laughs> right. Like when they find out that this is not the truth, like they're going to get mad about it type thing. So yeah, that was like, Oh, okay. That's not what I got out of that, but okay. Sure. Even just a really short scene was really cool to see the interaction between Ahsoka and Hu Yang and, and the relationship that they have. So then our attentions turn fully to Thrawn. Actually, not even yet. Okay, there's still stuff that we got to talk about before Thrawn. Shin, Balin, Morgan, and Sabine all get to this planet. I don't even know what the planet is called. Do they even say the name of the planet? Uh, I don't even remember. Per- Peridia? Peridia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds Peridia. Familiar. You're right. So Peridia. They get to Peridia, which is ironically this ancient well it's probably not ironically it works out perfectly <laughs> this ancient planet that is the are the descendants of the dathomir residents the night sisters and what do they call the the dudes in that race too well isn't it still just like night brothers the dathomir is it night brothers well no well because the dathomirians are actually on the planet of dathomir i thought this planet is where the origin of like the actual night sister yeah, like religion right. was mm-hmm. But I don't know if that's an actual, like, what the race of 
people were. Yeah, we'll have to look into like, that. Like, I guess I don't... I don't know. Like, I get it. Like, the, the Night Sisters have different planets, have different, like, sex, different variants of the Night mm-hmm. Sisters. We just happen to see the Dathomirian right. ones. And they haven't really explained yet, and they may not. I don't know. Like, we mentioned in a previous episode that Morgan Elsbeth mentioned that she is a descendant of the Night Sisters. She doesn't explicitly say that she is a night sister or is from Dathomir. So that's kind of interesting. And I, I wonder if they're, they might not even go any deeper than what they have already, but they, the, so they come to this planet and the night mothers are there waiting for them and they already know Morgan Elsbeth, like, and, and that may be more to, their visions and stuff with their like night sister magic as opposed to like Morgan being, you know, a part of like their right. descendancy or whatever. And maybe more to them just being like really perceptive in their dark arts or <laughs> right. whatever you want to call it dark magic. Uh, but yeah, it's just, just some interesting things that I've kind of been mulling over and ultimately does not matter. So in the end, they might not explain any more than that. Who knows? I mean, but, it would be cool if they did, because I feel I like that's don't. what that's what you kind of have the setup because that kind of you know ties with the whole galaxy far away. Because like right. we have this one focus of the galaxy, and that's what you had, you know, Jedi and Sith. Well, what about when you get out of the galaxy? And that's obviously this other galaxy where they've come to. Like this is the origin of the Night Sisters. So mm-hmm. maybe we get more of an explanation on what their magic is. Maybe yeah. we see more of what this is because you're expanding this scope out of just the universe that we've currently seen. Right. So and I would maybe be totally down with that stuff. because the, the Dathomirian Night Sister arcs that we see in Clone Wars, they're weird. And yeah. I kind of I like when they dive into the weird side of Star Wars because it's a freaking galaxy. Like there's gotta be weird stuff in the galaxy. Right. 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 So I, I want them to get more into that weird star Wars side of things. So, and, and honestly, like I, I saw somebody mention this on Twitter too. They do a good job of that with all the new content they've got because they're diving into this like night sister, dark magic with this show. They're diving into cloning and like, you know, all this weird creepy stuff in this in the sequel trilogy with like Palpatine on Exegol and all that stuff. I, I like how they kind of are diving into this weird part of Star Wars where, you know, the Empire was like the classic like dynasty, like this is uh an empire. It's like this is pretty cut and dry what how we're doing things. They right. lose that and now they're like grasping at anything they can to get the power back. And they're even going to like night sister, weird magic that they don't understand. They're just like, I got to do whatever I can to get this back. And even in Mandalorian, uh, Moff Gideon too, just like going undercover. They have their own little cabal of post empire, like leaders and stuff. And they're conniving and how they can, you know, bring back Thrawn. And, you know, I, I love that they're just diving into this weird side of Star Wars. Right. Because it, it's kind of like a, a flip position, if you will. Because, like, I kind of had this pop in my head when we were talking earlier. So, like, everything that you had with the Sith, kind of with, like, Palpatine, how he manipulated everything with the Senate and the 
the Sith basically end up using the Empire as their tool. Now, the whole, what's cool with bringing Thrawn in is that it flips that the Empire is not that tool anymore. It's the Night Sisters. Yeah. It's these other, like you're explaining, what else can we use to bolster this? And I think that's why it makes Thrawn setting him up, bringing this in, that makes it so much more appealing yeah. because you're kind of flipping that on its yeah. head. The Empire isn't that tool now, but like, hey, we need the Empire because we're trying to, you know, still take over this stuff. But like, we're going to look for external stuff of how we can and get this. Weird. I mean, we're going to dive into Thrawn here. This is just fascinating. So Grand Admiral Thrawn, he's got a actually pretty large history um, with several novels. He was basically the main villain in Rebels, like pretty significant history not in you know main live action star wars but now we're getting him in main live action star wars and whew, it was so cool I, I was freaking out when when we finally get thrawn we got the organ theme that was in rebels yeah. was just like oh yes yeah. i love this so lars cool. mickelson who voices him in rebels plays him in live action and there's been a lot of kind of weird feedback on him playing in the live action. I will say there is a weird element of like uncanny Valley with the uh, Thrawn because he's just got the bright red eyes. Right. And the blue with the blue skin. Right. It's just very like kind of weird to see and kind of shocking. So right away when I saw him, I was like, Oh, I don't know what to think about this. Like it looks, it looks good. It, I'm not saying it looks bad at all. But the second he speaks, I'm all in. I'm like, oh, yep. yeah. That's the way fun. he talks, right. It's kind of the same thing. Like, you're looking at it and you're like, okay. Like, normally you wouldn't think of this as this imposing thing. But then when he starts talking, you're like, this guy is, yeah. like, this is the big bad. Like, right. yeah, this is Thrawn. Like, this it has that power that he had in, you know, yeah. Rebels. You're like, yeah. this is what we needed. Absolutely. It was almost the same vibes, honestly, as Cad Bane when he showed up in Book of Boba Fett. He, you know, he you see him from a distance and there's such a it's so hard because like he's already at a pretty big disadvantage as a Duros alien that has some different proportions in an animated show because Clone Wars and Rebels, they're pretty stylized. They have some different proportions to their characters. So you see Cad Bane in live action. You're like, Oh, it just looks weird. <laughs> like, I don't really know how to feel about that. But right. the more we saw him in action, the more I was like, yeah, this guy rocks. And this is the guy that we saw in the animated show. Like, this is awesome. So same vibes with grand Admiral Thrawn. Lars Mikkelsen does a phenomenal job. Obviously he's, he is the voice of Thrawn. So nails the voice of Thrawn, but very imposing army of clones. Question mark. Question mark. What do you think about this army? I'm not, I don't want to say anything more before I, I got, get your reaction of what you thought of the army when Thrawn was coming down the aisle. And they're all shouting Thrawn, Thrawn, Thrawn. Well, Thrawn. for starters, they looked sweet. Yes, they did. The, the whole design of them. And then the whole fact that this whole like planet that they're on kind of has this like feudal Japan type feel to it. The fact that they are using like uh, Kintsugi on their 
uniforms mm-hmm. and then the fact that they're the all the the night troopers you're just like yeah this is a zombie army yeah the, like that's the whole point and especially like it makes sense why thrawn would you know with the night sisters be like mm-hmm. well what's in a perfect army like well when you can have dead people fight for you of undead and it's and it's the perfect thing too because they're just Mm -hmm. in a suit you just you just need that suit and not only do they have a suit but the suit looks awesome it looks so it looks so cool and you're like this this is what it needs to be like this looks sweet first thing that i thought of when they actually like they do a really good job at showing the army before you know, Thrawn makes his uh, appearance on screen. They like pan up from their feet, like go all the way up. They show the rows of all the troopers and everything. And you see their armor is like worn. It's like dirty. It's like patched up. It's got all these red bands around it, which could be, I don't know. I, I saw it right away and I was like thinking like, this is their armor patched up with these red bands, but it almost looks like it could be like some kind of like decoration Mm-hmm. I don't know battle awards type of stuff. I don't know, but it's sweet looking. Whatever, Looks sweet. <laughs> so the first thought that I had was going back to Mandalorian season one when Mando finally gets to the place that he meets Grogu. They have a bunch of old like Empire troopers. And their armor is just worn and dirty and like yellowed. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was so cool in that season. And this, I got the same vibes with these, these troopers armor is like, man, these guys have been through it probably because they're dead, but (laughs) you don't know that yet. (laughs) They've been through it. All right. They've been through something. They've been through something. So it is very interesting because if you watch it in subtitles that it does say night troopers, Mm Mm-hmm. They don't say anything about that. None of the troopers reveal themselves. Could this be an army of normal troopers that have made it this far? Sure. That was my first reaction. But I feel like nothing is off the table with the Night Mothers being involved. Right. Well, I think because here's some of like what I heard to kind of add on to this. The whole with it being the Night Trooper, I think that was more just to signify, Hey, these are specifically like Thrawn's troops, right? Mm-hmm. That's his army, but it also fits in, especially with how like the armor's made, how it looks. Cause it, it's the same fitting of just like, it goes back to that. The first episode after Mark dies and everyone's like, Oh, he's just got this mist coming out of him. And yeah. you're like, Oh, no one expected that. Yeah. Well, it could be the same thing. Like, picture an army and everyone's wearing that suit like you don't know if that person's an actual living person or if that True. person's been reanimated by don't magic. Even know if there's people in there <laughs> right but, but, the, but that, magic. that's the point like you said too like <laughs> that could be a way of hiding that because you're just like mm-hmm. that could be actual troopers that thrawn had or whatever right. yeah but that at the same time what's the presence or, or the appearance that you always constantly have an army that person could die but if you can reanimate them Mm-hmm. You never miss a thing. There's still that soldier. So right. like by them all still having that order, you're just like, is that person an undead person or is it an actual person under there? Like, I, <laughs> I don't know. Question. I don't know. Who knows? Oh man. It's going to be really cool to find out. I can't <laughs> wait. We get Thrawn. They are chanting Thrawn. It's a goosebumps moment when they're oh, chanting yeah. Thrawn and he's like slowly making his way yep. down to 
to the night mothers like platform or whatever. So cool. Like probably one of the best live action introductions to a character that we've seen. Even just the scene before that, when they're like, Hey, Thrawn's here. And it just does that pan yeah. out and the ship slowly just, yeah. and you're just like, Oh, oh massive. Yeah, this like, huge ship flying over. You're yeah. just like, this is Thrawn. So cool. Like, and it's got like his symbol, like, you know, kind yeah, of like, I, on the bottom i can't remember what is the name of the ship it was like the chime chimera the chimera that's what i think that's what it is i think it's the chimera yeah but yeah you see that floating over and you're just like like this is imposing this is sweet yep so cool and then um after all that all the intros actually you know what i'm trying to think it might have even been before thrawn came in i don't remember but the leader of these armies like slowly turns around and you see that he's got this like mask that has been like fused into the stormtrooper helmet. Mm-hmm. And man, another cool introduction to a character. This name is Captain Enoch. Captain Enoch. We know nothing about. He's got like kind of like a robotic voice changer synthesizer type thing on. So again, this guy still could be a zombie for all we know like we don't know really what he sounds right. like one thing that i thought when he turned around i was like that is so thrawn he really is a great interesting villain because he has an appreciation for like finer things like the arts and and he is very like sophisticated and the fact that we get this almost like classic roman architecture like mask on this stormtrooper helmet is like that's so thrawn dude that's what i saw thought when i saw that i was like so cool that's such an infusion of everything we had from rebels because like if you watch rebels like thrawn as even though he's bad guy and the bill like he has such a deep appreciation for different cultures like their art their Mm -hmm. stories because like for him that's also how he would understand his enemy what is their art like what like what are their cultural things that like define them and so then you what makes him you know the best strategist in Star Wars and then you come into here and you see that like hey he's taken art and culture and you're like like you said like that is such a Thrawn thing of being like I'm not all about just like you know empire like no, no no we're this is gonna have a little bit of flair of its own and it just it looks so sweet yeah, like I said, like this is Thrawn. This is Thrawn's army. This is Thrawn's fingerprints on it. And you're just they like, did a perfect job at translating what Thrawn would be like and his ship and his army, whatever, 10 years later-ish, I yep. think that is what this is, 10 years after Rebels completes. Like, yep. This season is so Rebels season five. It's like nuts. I- I'm still being blown away every episode at how much this feels like an animated show. Like if you read the story and the script to somebody and didn't tell them anything about the show, you didn't tell them if it was animated, live action, blah, blah, blah. I would could have sworn that this is a season of rebels, like animated rebels, because it just feels exactly. It has that same feel. It it should, you know, it's just, it's phenomenal that Finoloni has been able to make that switch from animation to live action. The dude is a genius. I, oh, yeah. You know, I've been saying that for the last like, <laughs> three episodes. Right. Like if you aren't on the Filoni train, get on it because this dude is, he's a genius, like legitimately. Right. And this is also why I'm excited to see more of what is going to happen with, especially Captain Enoch as a character, 
Because, like, as you look at it, it's like Captain Enoch doesn't even exist in, like, Legends or anything. He's strictly a brand new character for this. And my thing is, like, as I'm watching it, and it, you have this cool character, this cool design. I think Captain Enoch is Filoni watching what we had from the sequels. And you had this absolute setup and waste of Captain Phasma. Hmm. I think Filoni's like, I need a character that's like the Captain Phasma, but yeah. I'm going to make them sweet. <laughs> I'm going to make them Like, better. I'm going to actually do something with them. Because you already have that setup. You have, they're obviously the leader. And there's something about them that makes them incredibly unique and set apart from all the other troopers. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it, it kind of has that same setup that Phasma had. But, like, I'm excited because just knowing how much care and everything that Filoni puts into this, I think Captain Enoch is going to be a sweet character. Like, he's, yeah. like, it's going to be way more than what we had with Phasma. Because I think Filoni's just like, ah, we're going to redo this. We're going to give you Captain Enoch to kind of make up for captain phasma just being completely fumbled like she was yeah sad because she could have been such a cool character right like her the whole setup was awesome the armor awesome like there was so much going for that to be a sweet character and they were just like eh no she gets hit and falls off a bridge and what and you're just like this is dumb why why did you do this that's it right that's it like really like no this this is dumb we finally get Grand Admiral Thrawn in live action. It's it lived up to the hype, man. I, it's all that I had hoped that it would be. And I'm really excited to see Lars Mikkelsen because this like we're getting Thrawn's introduction with two episodes left. I feel like just with how this has gone, episode eight, the finale is going to be Thrawn getting back to our main galaxy do it like maybe even it's like the last scene in this show thrawn getting back to the galaxy and then it's like done you know like i don't know i feel like that's the direction we're heading i I don't know how it's all gonna play out but i mean i think that would be the sweet way of setting that up or even just like go way overboard on it like bring thrawn back and then like give us a shot of like that throne room and have it end with like thrawn sitting in that throne chair yeah. Just end it. That would <laughs> yeah. be sweet. That oh, would be sweet. That would be awesome. I'm down. A couple other things in this episode that we have to go over. We get a really intense, uh, I wouldn't even say intense, honestly. Actually, actually, a really interesting conversation between Balin Skull and Shin Hadi. We've seen a little bit of their, um, you know, master uh, Padawan relationship. And it's really, really interesting how Balin, I think, this is why he's becoming one of my favorite characters. I don't know. I feel like he's doing this to almost get revenge on how he was raised as an apprentice in a way. I don't really have a great way to put this to words, but like he seems like he's raising her, you know, training her in the way that he thought that it should have been done, right? He knows at this point in his life, I mean, this is what, 30 um, timeline wise. I'm, I'm trying to think of it's got to be like 30 plus. It's yeah, something like that. But he's treating this as he was shafted by the Jedi Order and he's raising her or training her. I keep saying raising, but like she's she seems like she's an adult. So training is probably the better word training her as a apprentice Padawan, however you want to call that to basically learn from this mistakes that he made being trained. 
So, right. man, I, I just love this relationship. I do find it interesting that they kind of scaled it back a little bit, I feel like. Shin Hadi in episode four goes and, you know, I we talked about how she was like force choking Sabine after she surrendered. And I was like, oh, man, Shin's going to go off the rails in the next <laughs> episode or two. And Balin's going to have to like cut her down a little bit. Right. But she's actually been like a pretty good, respectful Padawan <laughs> in these couple episodes, like trying to learn from Balin, like asking him questions. And I'm like, I actually like that. But at the same time, that's not where I thought this was going. Like she still is being, you know, this capable Padawan and she's asking the right questions. Like she's asking about the history of the Jedi, the mistakes that they made. And Balin is like graciously teaching her all of these things. And I don't know, man, it's just so interesting, I think. And Balin, dude, just (laughs) he's got a chip on his shoulder. And I love it because nobody knows who this guy is. Right. And he's got a chip on his shoulder. Like he knows who everybody else is. He's been staying in the shadows for a really, really long time. He knows who Ahsoka is. He knows who Thrawn is. And really interesting. Later in the episode, we get Thrawn. And it could just be Thrawn being really smart and deducing that Balin was a Jedi, you know, at the time of, you know, just based on his age and and stuff like that. But like he says, Balin Skull, and he's like, you must be Balin Skull of the Jedi Order, or something something to that effect, and yeah. I was like, wait, did Thrawn, like, know this guy, or is he just, like, figuring it out, because he's Thrawn and he's really smart? Right. Really interesting part of that, but Balin doesn't seem like he knows the significance of bringing Sabine to the planet. He just knows that there's something there. How could he know the history of Thrawn and Sabine? Like, I, I don't think Balin knows that Thrawn is like, oh, yeah, <laughs> this is great. Like, you, you did a great job by bringing Sabine here. Right. <laughs> just I mean, I their, think, their history and stuff. Right. Well, I think part of that, too, just like we still don't know, obviously, like the full story on it. Like, I still think yeah. we're going to get more right. of Balin, more of that backstory and more like because, yeah, yeah, you're just like you're getting little glimpses. You're getting little pieces more and more. And Mm -hmm. what this episode actually gave me is some, or episode six gave me some strong vibes of with Balin and Shin. Just the whole, like, no longer the Jedi, not quite, you know, like Sith, Mm -hmm. but then they're out like, Hey, we're going to find like this other power that we're going to bring in something new. Like the vibes that I got from watching this, I was like, Balin is like, in a way carrying on Darth Maul's vision yeah and like right but not only that but i'm just like if ahsoka went with maul and agreed with them that would be balin and shin yeah for real like in a way you're kind of getting obviously ahsoka didn't go with maul and stop it but it's just like well what if she did go with him mm-hmm. and now that i watch this i'm just like i i feel like he's kind of going after what maul initially was like i said he's carrying yeah. on kind of from rebel and cloners what maul's vision kind of was that he was laying out to ahsoka it seems like that's also kind of what balen school's vision is Mm -hmm. yeah i'm so interested in this storyline because i 
Balin is looking for something and we still don't know what it is. I'm just really curious to see finally what exactly he's searching for through all of this. I just had a mind blowing thing. Oh, okay. All right. Let's hear it. What if, you know, obviously Ahsoka didn't go with Maul. What mm-hmm. if it gets re- revealed later that Maul connects with Balin and Balin sees his vision. Ooh. And instead of Ahsoka being his apprentice, Balin was Maul's apprentice. And that's why Balin is, has this vision and continuing it on. Sane. I like that. And that's like the, that. and that's the big reveal that we get later that Balin. And that's why all this is known about stuff. He learned it from Maul. I really, really like that theory. That would be really cool. <laughs> and it would also right. kind of tie Maul back into this because mm-hmm. that's what Filoni's been doing with everything else. Right. Like Making it would make sense to yeah. find a way to tie Maul back into this as well. And it like, cause we talked about that too. Like Maul's ending in Rebels is good. Like that's the end of that story. But like, there's still enough to, you can go to bring Maul in mm-hmm. hit that influence. Right. Right, in the influence of him, for sure. Of that vision, because, like, you got the whole thing with Ahsoka, you know, we're going this whole thing of transcending Jedi and Sith. You kind of have Ahsoka kind of on that modified Jedi version, if you will. Mm-hmm. Well, you also kind of need that modified Sith version, and yeah. who pioneered that? Darth right. Maul. Like, yeah, yeah, we're getting into this gray area of the Force, in this series and it's it's really cool to see them explore it for sure and we we also know now granted i think there was earlier but like sam witwer is credited on a lot of voice acting stuff he's the voice actor of darth maul like i mean i'm just saying you know look at you Give a You're, give a. You should you should uh, make a burner account on Twitter and post <laughs> right. these as leaks. <laughs> <laughs> like do like a just a throwback. Like you don't necessarily need an actual acted out scene if you want, but like no. do a throwback of like, or even just the the side. You that know, would be a, wild, a, dude. If we a get, vision if or we a get memory, a vision or a memory, yeah, of, of Balin with uh, Darth Maul. I'm saying. That would be a sweet, like, that's how you can still just these last mm-hmm. two episodes mm-hmm. yeah. just keep hitting that just top gear. Like, yeah, find a way to tie them all back into this. And I think that would be the See, perfect way I, of doing like, it. I, postulating about things isn't like our mine and your forte, but I think you hit something here. Like, this is <laughs> this is really cool. I like that. Right. He's like the only character from the past that hasn't fully been tied into stuff. Right. He is, and he's been through this series. They're making an emphasis on him, but we haven't found out why yet. And I think that would be that would be a perfect reason why, because right. he ties back to stuff that Filoni has worked on and has has created. So right. ties with Filoni, ties Night Sisters, ties in with the Vision, ties in with like it, it all. Filoni is tying connects. it all together. <laughs> It all comes in. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love this. I love this scene. If this happens, Balin is hands down probably my favorite character in this series. Oh but, yeah. <laughs> that would be phenomenal. Still though, Shin, I still feel like Shin is a wild card. I think by the end of this series, they're going to be separated. And Shin's going to be doing her own thing. Probably more towards the Sith Darth dark side where Balon kind of has that balance still like he's still keeping her in check as of right now. 
she did show a lot of restraint in these episodes though and, and interest in like being because that's the thing is like all of these and you see it especially in anakin's downfall is like all of these padawans like eventually feel of sith padawans eventually feel like they are more powerful than their master and turn on them like that's just like the sith way that's like how it goes right so if they continue down this path that is pretty much inevitable i feel like it's a little different though because like it's not a true sith you know master padawan relationship so we'll see well, how i mean it, it doesn't out. necessarily have to be a sith thing because even remember right. like to go back to that ep- you know those episodes in clone wars when they were on the planet with the light and dark side, what did the dark side, what did the embodiment of the dark side of the force try to do? Kill the father. And like, mm-hmm. I think that's just more of a sign of like the dark side of the force using those powers. It's just like, it's about right. power. It's about, and like, how do you ascertain and continue to rise in that power? Well, you got to take out the people above you. This hasn't really been explored a whole lot in uh, film and movies and stuff, but like in video games, especially KOTOR, it's really interesting how like the more you use dark side force powers, the more dark you become like right. it sets you down that path. Yep. And, you know, again, we haven't really explored a whole lot of that, like Jedi dipping their toes into for obviously Anakin, like, duh, but like <laughs> beyond that, we haven't had a whole lot of that happening and exploring in that a little bit. This is pretty much as close as we've come to a Jedi slash force user being more inclined to the dark side, but not fully engulfed or like enslaved by it, I guess. So yeah, it'll be really interesting to see where their relationship ends up by the end of the series, but Balen Skull rocks. I love that guy. Oh, for sure. And then we get finally the uh, reunion of Sabine and Ezra. We finally get Ezra Brizzer um, in live action, played by Eamon Esfandi. <laughs> exactly how we would expect him living with a, a colony of <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> crab people, people things. Like... Crab turtle people. Just, yeah. And he's just like chilling. He's been right. apparently he's living with them for 10 years. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. Just Who knows? chilling, you know. It'll be interesting to see where we learn more about what he's been up to for the past 10 well, years. But... At the same time, that's also incredibly fitting because oh, even, yeah, in, even, in, even in Rebels, you're like, he's just always around Lothcats. Yeah. Like he just has that connection to animals. He has that connection and, to like right. people and animals. So then and, yeah. it just makes total sense that Sabine finds him and he's just like living with these <laughs> just chilling crab turtle people and just like, <laughs> ah, yeah, we're just, you yeah. know, hanging out. Oh my gosh. And we don't get a whole lot of Ezra. But what we do get is quite interesting. He kind of like reaffirms Sabine, like, I knew I trusted you that you were going to be the one to find me, basically. She doesn't tell him (laughs) how she got there yet. There's a big but. uh... Big but that has not happened yet. (laughs) But we might get stranded here forever after Thrawn leaves us. So... You know, <laughs> some interesting things. Another interesting thing, though, Thrawn um, is talking to Morgan Elsbeth. He's loading up all his junk in in their, uh, you know, super hyperspace uh, 
Eye of Scion, I think her her ship is called. He sends uh, Balin and Shin to go track down Sabine and Ezra and kill them. And he basically says to Morgan Elsbeth, he's like, yeah, if we end up leaving them there, so be it. You know, like if they get back, cool, we'll take them with. But if we get done packing up and they haven't finished the job, we're probably leaving without them. So, which is so Thrawn-esque. Like, that's exactly what oh, yeah. Thrawn would be doing. Balin's not an idiot. He has to be slightly aware that this could be a possibility, I feel like. But it'll be really interesting to see because they send him out on those uh, hounds or whatever. And they're, you know, tracking Sabine to the place. And they seem like they're on the right trail. So we're going to come down to a showdown between Balin, Shin, Sabine, and Ezra, probably. It'd be really interesting to see how that all plays out. Ahsoka also shows up at the end of this episode. She, like, we don't see Ahsoka. It's reported, I think, to her by the Night Sister or the Night Mothers that Ahsoka has, yeah. is, is like, entered the atmosphere or whatever. Yeah, that someone else was arriving. Yeah, and Morgan's like, no, that's impossible. Like, that can't be. I, I also found it interesting that they say that name, they say Ahsoka Tano and Thrawn is like, I need to know everything about Ahsoka, which that's Thrawn. That makes sense. I was kind of surprised that he didn't like he, he hasn't met her, but like, I feel like she's made enough waves in the like Star Wars universe and especially the like rebel Alliance that he would know who she is. Well, I wonder if part of that, cause like what we had in all of rebels like Ahsoka was like, at least to the empire, to them, she was only known as Fulcrum. Mm -hmm. Like they didn't, they didn't know Ahsoka was Fulcrum. Ah, yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Maybe that's what some of that connection would be once as you realize that that's who that was. But even at the same time, like they only knew her as Fulcrum and it's just like, it's not like they had a ton of info on her anyways. Right. Because even the guy under, you know, it was, Callus or whatever that was kind of under Thrawn's own. So it was just like they wouldn't really know a ton about Ahsoka because yeah, like right. he walked, she walked away from the Jedi Order, so she wasn't there for that. So it's like mm-hmm. it's kind of an understandable how she right. flew under the radar a little. bit. I think it does make sense. The only other thing I thought was that he mentioned that Balin was like a Jedi, and again, that's something that he probably could deduce pretty easily. That's not right. like out of the realm of possibility but i thought it was interesting how he was like oh yeah balin jedi and then he hears ahsoka and is like oh who's that you know like i I thought that was a little interesting but all of these reasons that you and i have talked about it still like makes sense it's not like so crazy that all of this is happening the way it is. I just thought it was a little interesting that he was like, oh, yeah, Balin. Yeah, yeah. But so, so God, <laughs> great, great guy. I don't know. Great, great, great guy. Yeah. Great guy. Great guy. The best. <laughs> yeah, the best. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it totally makes sense that he he might not know her. And maybe when he dives into her, he'll connect all the dots. And we know from other canon Star Wars stuff like novels and stuff like that, Thrawn knows that Darth Vader is Anakin. I think there's a bunch of comics and stuff that tell the story of how he figured it out. Thrawn figured it out, but he doesn't, he doesn't ever tell Darth Vader that he knows. I think he like makes it seem like he still doesn't know, 
Um, not that it, I don't know if that would even make a big difference to Darth. I mean, it would probably make a big difference to Darth Vader, but in the big spoke scope of things, it's not like they're going to change anything they're doing, like right. with the Empire and all that stuff. But just a minor note, Thrawn, super smart guy. He He figured that out for himself. So I feel like he does have some knowledge about the Jedi Order. And Anakin would have been probably one of the more well-known Jedis through like the Clone Wars and like all the stuff that he did. But it is interesting that he would know who Anakin is, but not Ahsoka as well. Again, he's going to find that out and probably be like, oh, yeah, duh. Right. So it'll be interesting to see how that all proceeds and how they handle Ahsoka coming to Peridia. So what you yes. said? Is that I believe, yeah, I think that's right. It's like Peridia. Real minor note that <laughs> was just a funny throwaway line. When the Night Mothers meet Sabine, I love that they're like, oh, she reeks of Jedi. <laughs> that, was, that was a really funny line. They were just like, oh, man, what a Jedi stink. Right. Oh, it's like, oh, they're the worst. <laughs> just a lot of really cool references. Filoni in Filoni, trust, man. Another phenomenal episode. Uh, was this one better than episode five, Zane? Oh, man. I don't know if I could put it like I'm trying to think of how to word it. Like five was kind of the epitome and kind of that encapsulation of everything we had in Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Six did all that except for Rebels. Like right. bring back Thrawn, Ezra. Like I feel like they both did these two things incredibly well, mm-hmm. but they both kind of had different aspects to them. So, like, I don't know if I could necessarily say it was better because I think Clone Wars is still just has that staying power and just everything with it. So, like, I guess, granted, you kind of put it, it was more of the reveal of stuff. Right. But I like I feel like what we had in episode five was way more in depth, mm-hmm. had made way more weight to it almost because you see that Ahsoka like, all right, right. no, we got to let go of this. Yeah. Whereas, as a complete episode. As a complete yeah. episode, five was better. But in the scale of epicness and in the scale of like what this show is doing, like I, I couldn't put one over the other. Right. I think, yeah, I think in the tier that we were talking about of like top Star Wars TV episodes, this probably is up there as well. I mean, honestly, if you just take the Thrawn reveal moment, because Thrawn has been so like anticipated among Star Wars fans for so long coming to live action. Like this is a pretty yep. epic and important moment in Star Wars history. So pretty awesome. Well, not only that, but I mean, it gets overshadowed, but like this, how it has more of that ties, but like the reveal of Thrawn, like the, I think technically this is the first like live action reveal of like the night mothers. Like yeah. you're tying, you're mm-hmm. actually like tying way more stuff into this. Yeah. Definitely. Which I think is just it very cool to see and it's a lot of fun. Influential trust, man. So yeah, I think like I said, tying Baron Skull to Maul brings Maul into this. They're sweet. The only way in these last two episodes that it could get cooler is one of two thing ha- things happening is you need to tie it into the sequels by either, like bringing Ray in or you need to tie it to the video game world. You need to bring either Cal or Marin in. Cal and Marin, yeah. Bringing in Marin would be easy. I feel like that's oh, right. that's what I'm saying. Like she t- completely ties in with the whole Night Sister, all yeah, that stuff. Definitely. So I'm just like, if you're kind of melding all this stuff together to kind of set up your future, have some sort of glimpse or reference or just something. 
I would love to see some way to tie one of those in in these last two episodes. That would be cool. So many cool things. Two episodes left of Ahsoka. Can't wait to see how it's going to pan out. I'm assuming this episode is also a six out of six oh, uh, easy. for you because it definitely yeah. is for me. Two oh, yeah. sixes. Infinity snaps for both episodes yeah. <laughs> five and six of Ahsoka. But man, Zane, we've been talking for almost two hours now. So we I know it's crazy because like we could just keep going. We, too. we could. We, we could keep like... talking about this and, and we would like to. So, hey, oh, listeners, yeah. make sure you hit us up on social media. You can email us at infinitybrospodcast at gmail.com. Hit up the infinitybros.com for all your Infinity Bros needs. You can get up some sweet merch and also hit up any uh, of our past episodes of the podcast. So uh, make sure if you haven't caught up, if you're a new listener, make sure you catch up on the Ahsoka review episodes that we've been doing. I believe episode 178 and 177. Yeah, lots of more things to discuss. Hopefully we'll be able to get in some single episodes of episode seven and eight coming up. So thanks, Zane, for hanging out with me. It's been a blast talking. stuff. Always a fun time. Absolutely. And thank you, listeners. However you're listening, wherever you're listening, thank you so much for making us a part of your podcast experience. We are the Infinity Bros, and we love you 3000. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Infinity Bros podcast. You can find the Infinity Bros on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Twitch, and YouTube at the Infinity Bros. You can also check out our website at theinfinitybros.com for links, reviews, and sweet merch. Feel free to send listener feedback via social media or email at infinitybrospodcast at gmail.com.